Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch, recap, rate, and review every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Hannah Martin. Hannah, as <laughs> she shoots glares at me how are you doing this week you know steve we were we had a good streak going we sure of did. decent movies mm-hmm. or at least movies that were tolerable mm-hmm. this was intolerable <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while i feel like we say it on the podcast but this movie felt like work it felt like a job oh watching this movie and i'm sure we've said this before but we had to pause like at some point in time and i don't think Either of us assumed that the movie was only halfway through when we paused. No. I really thought it was almost over. Yeah. Like sometimes we'll pause to pee or to eat or just because we can't take it yeah. anymore. <laughs> and this week was one of those. And the movie that we're talking about is a movie called Bringing Out the Dead from 1999. It is a movie about essentially Nicolas Cage who plays a paramedic or not a paramedic, but or yeah, yeah, a medic. A paramedic. Yeah, I always get medics and, and technicians like EMTs mixed up, but I believe he was an EMT. No, no, you have to have a degree like a degree to be a medic. Oh. EMTs are like volunteers. Got it. I believe. Anyway. That makes sense. He's a medic that goes crazy over yeah, the course of like three days. And sort understatement. of falls in love with a girl. It's not important. But his wife. His wife, his wife, yeah, played by Patricia Arquette. So they're they're together in this movie, and they're married in real life. No on-screen chemistry, though. None. <laughs> None whatsoever. So, Hannah, what are some of the IMDb Rotten Tomatoes scores, that kind of thing? So on IMDb, it is a 6.8 out of 10, mm-hmm. and the Rotten Tomatoes is 71%. You say that frustrating. and you're making faces <laughs> like it doesn't deserve that. No. And I think you're right. 8mm got tw- 23 or something. 22, I believe. Oh my God. On Look, Tomatoes. that movie wasn't good. We acknowledge that. Right. That was way better than this though. Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think I've also, again, I've said it before, but it's those movies like the movies this week that are just going to kill our spirits. <laughs> that are just that okay i really level of movie. honestly i really forgot what it felt like to watch a movie like this yeah it's been a while yeah so we came out of the golden cage which was four amazing movies back to back to back to back in the late 90s and then we watched what what else was there city of angels which was kind of fun in a way because it yeah, devolved towards the end you can make fun of it this is just nothing no there's nothing to this movie so we're going to try to recap it for you in a minute <sighs> but before we Good do luck. that Hannah's going to give us some behind-the-scenes information. <laughs> All right. What do you got for us? So I mentioned last week that 8mm also came out in 1999. Actually, mm-hmm. blows my mind that we are almost at the turn of the millennium. Yeah. you know, I'm, I was going to save it for the end, but next week is gone in 60 seconds. And that's 2000? That's 2000. Dude, we, we did it. <laughs> we <laughs> should of. just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> He's made more movies than we've seen so far in the past like three years it's wild and probably not but comparable (laughs) like seven movies a year and we're at like 30 something movies 
Yeah. So this movie came out in 99. Yes. I mentioned last week that 8mm also came out in 99, and I didn't have too much to share Mm -hmm. because there was a Rolling Stone article magazine that came out in 99 about Nicolas Cage in Bringing Out the Dead. Right. So I wanted to save that for today. So most of the stuff I'm going to talk about comes directly from that article. Okay, great. Very interesting. But... Before that, I'll talk a little bit about like the movie budget and some other things. So the budget for the movie was $32 million, but okay. it only grossed $16.7 million in the box Ooh. office. Also, we haven't mentioned it yet. This, this is, is a, a Martin Scorsese movie. A Scorsese movie made nothing. This was um, the only 90s Scorsese movie that had zero Oscar nominations. Wow. And Scorsese was quoted as hating filming this movie. Well, it kind of shows. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was more because of the conditions. Uh, apparently, they filmed in December in New York City, and it's mostly outside, so it was just very miserable. And it's all at night because Nick Cage's paramedic character has the night shift. Yeah. So everything weird happens. I mean, everything weird happens in New York at all hours, but mm. weirder things happen at night, supposedly. So to prepare for this role, um, well, first let's talk about how Nick got the role. Oh yeah, just, great. Just wanna, just wanna. We haven't talked about this in a while. No, well, because he started his career with getting every role through nepotism. Nepotism, excuse mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And then he changed his name to avoid nepotism, but then continued to get roles based on nepotism. Right, and then he did some really big movies. Mm-hmm. He gained star power of his own. He won an Oscar. Yep. He starred in three big action movies. Yep. But how do you think he got this role, Steve? Do you think he got it on his own merit? <laughs> it was probably through his <laughs> uncle, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. Nick told his uncle, I really want to work with Martin Scorsese. And oh, Uncle Frank made it happen for him. Oh, Jesus. Apparently, they wanted Edward Norton to play uh, Nick's role. Okay. Like the screenwriter wanted Edward Norton and then maybe Francis Ford Coppola bribed Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he owed him a favor, yeah. yeah. Oh god. That's okay. A little bit about Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh in nineteen ninety nine he is worth twenty million dollars. Okay. So That's good. Yeah. He's worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um he's already started purchasing a lot of real estate. Oh god. Oh god. It's that time. Oh no. It we've, begins. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but do you want to very quickly recap what that means? Why I went oh god when you said he's purchasing real estate? In the first decade of the 2000s. Yeah. Um Nicolas Cage goes a bit off the deep end and owes the IRS a ton of money. So, yeah. you'll notice that the second half of the 2000s movies are mostly well they're very frequent <laughs> yeah. lots of movies made in one year not yeah. because he's hustling as a young actor but because he's hustling in order to pay back the irs <laughs> <laughs> yeah he bought a bunch of houses and didn't pay taxes on them didn't pay taxes bought a bunch of castles didn't pay taxes got married a bunch of times didn't sign prenups <laughs> bought some weird shit oh yes so we'll get to those purchases when yes. they come up naturally throughout the course of the podcast. Right. But 
some of those purchases are his homes mm-hmm. that apparently he's purchasing now in the year 1999. He's uh, even before now. Okay. But I just wanted to mention that he's worth $20 million, so he feels as though he has the money to spend on these homes. Gotcha. Or he has the right to spend the money on these homes. Sure. Hollywood, you know. Hollywood, baby. <laughs> we would know. We would know. We're big time actors. We had to give it up, though. Yeah, it was just getting to my head yeah. too much. Our first love is podcasting. <laughs> Did I mention yet that this movie is based off of a novel? I don't think we mentioned that, no. So this movie is based off of a novel by a writer named Joe Connolly, who hasn't done anything else of note. Okay. But he wrote a book in 98 called Bringing Out the Dead. Oh, This wow. movie came out in 99. Yeah, quick turnaround. So this must have really spoken to the screenwriter, who I forget his name. He's famous, apparently. Okay. <laughs> I hope um, he doesn't listen. <laughs> you know what? If he does. <laughs> right in. Let's get him on the podcast. We'll fly out to Philly, even during a pandemic. No, we live in Hollywood. I thought oh, we Oh, right. Shared. Apparently. Because <laughs> we're former actors. Once, once you get in, you can't get out. That's what they say. <laughs> so this uh, writer, was he worked as a paramedic in New York City. So... Mm-hmm. The novel is fiction, but like partly autobiographical, I would say. Mm -hmm. So I guess the character Frank is like in part based, and Frank is uh, Nick Cage's character, in part based off of this writer. So Mm. in order to prepare for this part, Nicolas Cage did a bunch of ride-alongs, which he often does. Like if he's playing a profession that he is unfamiliar with, Mm. he tends to spend a lot of time shadowing that person um, for weeks prior to filming. Sure. So Nick Cage did a bunch of ride-alongs with Martin Scorsese and real-life paramedics to prepare for the role. And I have a few stories from those ride-alongs. Ooh. Okay, so Nick Cage, in his ride-alongs, saw a woman who had been slashed um, with what looked like cables in her neck. Ooh. And the worst of it was a nine-month-old infant who couldn't breathe and had brain damage from it. Oh. Um, so what he was saying is in those moments, you can really see how life can be very dark and everything is negative. The days where nobody gets saved. And that's like a common theme in this movie where his character, you know, is like desperate to save somebody because there's been so many, uh, consecutive days that like people just keep dying. Um, so he was saying the paramedics were telling him that you just like, can't really think about that when you're on the job. It's probably way too depressing. Um, he was thinking like when he, when he went home at night, um, that that could happen to his kids. Ooh. So he was very haunted by the images that he saw and I think took it personally. And maybe there's a little bit of method acting that came along with it. Gotcha. All right. So the writer of this article actually spent a few days on set while they were filming to Mm. witness what was going on. So there's a few stories from set, but he was describing Nick Cage and he says that Nick Cage's natural walk is a dreamlike lope, stately with long strides, a little slouch in the hips, a walk that doesn't advertise the slabs of muscle on his shoulders and chest. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) This is a male writer or a female writer of this article? Oh. Okay. Well, I guess, you know, hey, it's 1999. Yeah. But the cage who walks on the set of Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead is subtly stooped and his feet seem weighted. His eyes, too, are different. 
It's impossible to say where the makeup gives its way to his own, or where canny makeup gives way to his own investment in the character. An, an emergency paramedic and ambulance driver, Frank Pierce. But tonight, Cage has the raccoon eyes of a man who has been losing sleep to nightmares. So it seems that, you know, it's partly in the makeup, but yeah. also I think he probably hasn't slept in a long time. Mm. They filmed this movie for 75 days. Is that long? I think that's a really long time. Is it? I feel like usually movies are filmed in like a month. Really? Mm. I was thinking like three to six months. I don't know. So that Some of the other movies, I feel like were very quick well yeah i mean some of those <laughs> movies were like never on tuesday <laughs> where True. they probably banged it out in an afternoon all right so <laughs> this part is crazy <laughs> okay what do you got i'm excited so this writer this whatever reporter who's witnessing on set is watching um them film a scene where Nicholas Cage and a nurse in the ER have to do like a little bit of a spar, I guess, just to like move around each other. Oh, okay, yeah. It's very hectic in the ER, um, mm-hmm. in, in spe- specifically in the hospital that like he keeps bringing the patients to. So Scor- uh, Martin Scorsese saying to Nick Cage and the nurse, like whoever the actress is, that they need to work out a rhythm so they don't overlap. So suddenly, the gurney holding an old man that they are fighting over, apparently, slips a latch, tilts, and is about to dump this actor headfirst onto the hard linoleum (laughs) below. In the next quarter second, quicker than the collective gasp of realization comes, Nick Cage has a free hand under the gurney. He absorbs the fall, jacks the thing level up, and looks around patiently for help from the immobilized crew. A hero in real life, says Martin Scorsese. Ragged applause rises from the extras, and even the normally deadpan city rat crew. Nick Cage, smiling shyly, mutters more to himself than anyone. I'm no Superman. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Fucking hate this. Okay, First of all, this journalist or whoever this person is has a massive crush on mm. Nicolas Cage. Hard. Real hard, hard for, Nicolas, for Nicolas, Cage. Nicolas Cage. You can tell by the way he walks. He's got giant Dream muscles. Like. His muscles are mounding under that shirt of his. Bulging. He caught the, the guy who was about to fall like some sort of superhero. Like, come on. Come on. People love to just fucking praise actors for doing like a normal thing hey he caught someone who happened to be falling he like happened to be there and caught someone falling right what a hero right like so it gets funnier oh god because do you recall i don't i don't remember if it was last week or the week before but we talked about how that superman movie never got made oh yeah 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 the death of superman lives is the name of the documentary right so nick cage mumbled to himself more than anyone else i'm no superman but he mumbled more. He started talking to people on set about how he really wanted to play that part, but they like fucked it up. <laughs> oh my god! I'm, so he's really bitter about it. I'm imagining what's happening now, right? This guy like, like he there's... just saved this guy, right? Okay, so I think <laughs> that the guy was about to slip off the gurney, and he probably ultimately would have been fine, but Nick Cage caught him, and people were like, "Oh yeah, thanks, thanks, Nick." And he just kept saying to himself, 
I'm no Superman. Yeah. I'm, I'm no Superman. Um, I could have been Superman. I, I could have been. I could have been. But, you know, they really fucked me over. <laughs> I could have been Superman. Let, let the record show <laughs> that I am the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola in a Martin Scorsese movie. And I could also be Superman if I wanted. If if I, 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 could, I could. If I wanted to yeah, be Superman. If you asked me to be Superman, I'd, I'd be willing. I'd be Superman if you wanted. However. <laughs> That's so annoying. Yeah, he's really annoying. Um, this article goes on and on and on for hours. <laughs> so if you're interested in reading it, it's um, Rolling Stone 1999. He was but, on the cover, you said, right? Yeah, you want to see it? Yeah, I saw a glimpse of it from across the room here. Look at that. Look at those it arms. Says, the passion of Nick, of Nick Cage. You know, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> he's got his arms forward, so you focus on his arms and not his janky face and just... Dis- Receding? Receding hairline. Well, you, you heard the writer. Oh, my God. He cares about his muscles more than anything else. He loves his muscles. So, <clears throat> like I said, this article is very long-winded, but the last thing I'll leave you with is this is the first time that Nick Cage is acting with a real-life romantic interest. Not the and, last? Huh? I said You said the first time. Is it not the last? Well, I mean, I th- if we recall... Did he date one of his other co-stars? Yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, but I that wasn't about that. until after. Okay, like you know, they met on set. Okay, no, I'll count that though. I get, I get, I get where you're yeah. coming from. But uh, this is the first time he's okay. This is the first time he's in with a spouse. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, because because <laughs> he's only been married twice. Yeah, his. Oh no, he. This is his first marriage. Yeah, it's his first wife. He just had a child out of wedlock with who? Whatever. What a heathen. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy um anyway anyway so he and patricia arquette apparently had a really tough time getting along on set really yeah it took them a while and then eventually they warmed up to it but like she apparently was having issues with her personal life outside of their marriage during it like his her mother had breast cancer and like other Uh, things during filming so Mm -hmm. she was kind of all over the place and to be honest it shows it shows (laughs) i hate to say it i really like her i think she's a great actress fantastic actress boyhood Right? Yeah. Isn't that she won? Yeah, she won the uh, Oscar for that. I think. I think she did. She yeah. was very good in that. Holes, great as Kiss and Kate Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> what a pull. Um, medium. <laughs> She's the medium. She is, me- she is medium. She is medium. She's Title not character. large. She is mama bear. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I know more about Patricia Arquette's career than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> the act. That was a good miniseries. She oh my a, god, she was in that too. Yeah, I think she Am won I the a big Golden Globe. Patty right? Arquette fan. Patty Arquette, here we go. Yeah, we're on we're on a nickname basis. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be you, Patty Arquette, and Marty Scorsese. Marty, Uncle Marty. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's take a take a deep dive. Hold All on. right, so we're gonna begin the part of this podcast where we recap the movie for you so that you don't have to watch this piece of shit. So this movie starts off in a really weird way. It just comes up on the screen. Words come up on the screen that just says, this film takes place in New York City. And then just under that, it says, in the early 90s. Which feels really lazy to me. (laughs) This is Martin Scorsese. He can't think of a creative way to, like, convey that to the audience other than writing it on a screen. It was also, like, really evident. Like, of course it's New York City. Oh, yeah. And of course it's the 90s. I mean, Everyone the... has an accent. Yeah. 
they eat pizza every scene. <laughs> they do have a shitload of pizza. And I think there's even lines where it's like, ah, New York City, this city well, that also never sleeps like, or some shit. They're talking about the boroughs. Yeah. They're like, oh, maybe you should get Upper... a job up in the Bronx. And yeah. it's like, and they're like, oh, we're we going know. to the west side, 42nd and 1st. Or yeah. That would be the east side. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, Nick Cage is a medic. He, he's driving the ambulance around. And this scene, this movie is just, he's in the ambulance with somebody. They pick up a, uh, you know, some sort of patient. They bring him to the hospital. He goes back out. He picks up another patient. They bring him to the hospital, and they go back and forth. So the first patient that he goes to to go on call for, and we also see that he's narrating the movie. You, you can hear his inner monologue throughout the entire movie. But so his partner the first night, so this movie takes also takes place over three nights. His partner the first night is Amazing. John. Sorry. Yeah. It still blows my mind that that was only three nights. Yeah, because this movie felt like we watched it for three days straight. Because <laughs> it took so long to watch this fucking movie. But it, it was it, only two hours. It was two hours. It was two hours and one minute. And we were like, okay, that's not bad. And then we got halfway through and paused for whatever reason. We were like, Jesus. I think we paused at like 45 minutes and we were like, oh my God. Oh yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't even halfway. Yeah, it's brutal. Because it's just, like I said, it's repetitive in a way. It's just that back and forth of, like, ambulance to a, to a, a patient's house, to a, the hospital, back it's and forth and back and forth. It's the worst feeling. Yeah. Like, you think there's going to be some reprieve. There's not. There's this not. movie doesn't let up. <laughs> so the, the first patient that they go to is Patricia Arquette's dad. Patricia Arquette's dad has a heart attack. They are about to call him, and then Nick Cage finds a pulse, so they bring him to the hospital. Basically, for the whole movie, they try to keep him alive in the hospital. Right. So so he keeps going back. Yeah. So they take him to a hospital that's like crazy crowded. And one, one patient that's in this crowded hospital is probably worth mentioning. And it's this dude who's very clearly crazy. And he's always asking for a glass of water because he thinks he's in the desert. So there's the thirsty dude. There's Patricia Arquette's Who dad. plays the thirsty dude, Steve? I actually don't know. Who is it? It's Mark Anthony. That was Mark Anthony? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. J-Lo's ex-husband. Because well, he had like giant, he had a giant wig on, like dreadlocks and stuff. I, I didn't recognize him. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. Tell, <laughs> Tell me, baby, baby girl, because I, I need to know. <laughs> so he goes back into the ambulance. Uh, he has a conversation with john goodman about eating and john goodman's like man i'm starving what do you want he's like i'm not hungry he's like oh yeah that's right you don't eat and he gets really firm with him for some reason and just goes i eat i eat food yeah like it's not a real scream so i probably won't insert it but he it was just a weird delivery really weird delivery they pick up another guy and he's narrating like I keep seeing the ghosts of the past. There's a ghost in every building in this city, this New York City that we live in in the early 90s. <laughs> and so he's just like, like Hannah said earlier, he's is really wearing down on him. His eyes, by the way, look horrible. Awful. I think we mentioned that as well, just those raccoon eyes. He very clearly looks like he hasn't sleep, slept. He takes that guy that he picked up after that weird conversation about eating back to the to the hospital, runs into Patricia Arquette, and again, he does that weird walk where he's hunched over. You know, the kind of walk where you don't see his rippling muscles under his shirt. Um, let's see. So they get back into the ambulance, and then there's another guy who got shot or some shit. And Nick Cage, well, not Nick Cage, Marty Scorsese decides to play, like, R.E.M., 
this one goes out to the one I love or something like that. It's like really, really weird juxtaposition of Nick Cage narrating about how uh, I don't. There were some really weird music choices. Yeah. Nick Cage is like, oh, you know, I don't, I, I like being the driver because when you're the passenger, you have to sit in the back with the patient and my patients have been dying lately and all my patients are dying and there's death all around me and ghosts. So and then depressing. it's just like REM. It's <laughs> <laughs> like happy-go-lucky shit. Oh man, wait, hold on. I need to find what that other song was that I heard that I lost my mind. I don't know, it was some Natalie Merchant song and I can't think of... If you know, she's the artist who sings the one that's like... Oh yeah. Did you look on IMDb just now? Oh no, I should have. These are the days? Yeah. I don't remember how that goes. I want to sing it. Oh, and it was, it was Jane's addiction. It wasn't REM. I don't know. It just didn't go with the vibe of the rest of the movie. <laughs> it's like a real nice feel-good song from the '90s. Yes, and I don't know where I cut all of that together, but it wasn't <laughs> REM. It was Jane's addiction that's playing in in that particular scene. So, anywho. Nick Cage at the end <laughs> of Nick Cage at the end of night one goes back to his apartment. He's shirtless. He's sleeping in his tidy whiteies. He's still looking pretty good, I guess. But you can see he's not nearly as cut or as big as he used to be. No, and the way wise. that he walks, you wouldn't even be able to tell that he has muscles. <laughs> right. So the next morning or the next time for his shift, he goes to his he goes to the station and talks to his. This is a really weird scene because he talks to his like captain who's like giving nick cage orders for like hey you got to get out there and nick cage is like fire me already i've been late every day and then the captain like barks at him he, like woof woof like like an actual like he does a dog noise like a realistic dog sound and then nick is just like i can bark too he doesn't <laughs> but what a weird scene i think he, that was the first thing that we were we looked at each other we we're like what what the fuck is happening <laughs> So he also like takes his fist and like really awkwardly slams it on the captain's desk during this scene too. Very strange. So night number two, he's not paired up with John Goodman. He's paired up with Ving Rhames, who he's been in a couple of movies now with Ving Rhames. Uh, most notably, I think it was Kiss of Death. Mm, yes. Yeah. So they <laughs> go. Movie. Yeah, I know. So they go to some like punk club, some very '90s punk club with people wearing like little spikes in their hairs and shit like that and they very gothic yeah remember yeah. gothic people Ugh. you'd go to the mall and they'd be standing outside a hot topic oh my god these are like, like sulking absolutely <laughs> hot topic people in this club so also that was established a little bit earlier was that there's this new drug on the streets called the red death and this kid in the club overdosed on the red death and so they gave him narcam and it was all fine but up until now there's no real like plot device i Not guess really. you could say no there really a... isn't at all no there's for, barely a plot for the to rest of the movie. <laughs> but it's kind of just we're following nick around and the only thing that we know is that he's seeing these ghosts and he's hearing voices and he is very saddened by yes. his profession <laughs> yes yeah so he goes back to the hospital runs into patricia arquette again there's like this is probably where the directing gets the weirdest because they're sitting in some kind of oh, break room <laughs> and it's just him and patricia arquette and they're talking about life and oh my god i've been a medic for five years blah 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 and then without saying any words and with all within one second of each other the camera like fades and 
pans to different shots of Patricia Arquette, like four different shots, four quick transitions with no words. Four different angles. Four right? different angles. I don't understand no that at all. Anything. No one said anything. There's no music to like go to the beat of it or something. <laughs> that would be weirder. I, but like, there's just nothing. Like, what no. are you doing, Marty? It's stupid, <laughs> Marty. And then also, he, Nick Cage is like, oh, I got this pizza. And he, like, gives her a slice of pizza. He puts both hands on the piece of pizza. And she puts like one an of offering. her hands. She puts one of her hands on the pizza. And then, like, lets go and says, no, no, no. And they both put it down. And then she picks it back up and eats it later. Like, it was the weirdest thing. She goes, no, no, I'm not hungry. Yeah. I don't understand. And anyway, like we said, he, oh, he looks horrible. Weird that they're married, too. They're they weird. no chemistry. No on-screen chemistry, even though they're actually married in real life. It's horrible. He has about as much chemistry with her as he did with the girl from Firebirds. <laughs> that girl from Firebirds was nothing. That movie was terrible, and she was probably the worst part of that movie. Anyway, listen to our Firebirds episode for more commentary on that movie. So, he's back in the ambulance with Ving Rhames, and he Ving Rhames is like, hey, you can't fall for the, the daughter of a patient. And Nick Cage, like, mimics Ving Rhames, and we're like, that was a little racist. <laughs> no, it wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> I've got it written down in order here. But, so, and then also... Nick Cage is telling Ving Rhames, he's like, ah, you know, I've, I've got voices in my head. Are we not going to talk about Queen Latifah? <laughs> Wait, what? I totally forgot Queen Latifah was in this movie. Who is Queen Latifah in this the movie? The voice, the dispatcher. That was Queen Latifah? <laughs> yeah. This is why I need you, Had. You're supposed to be doing the research. You always know everything about every actor in every movie. How the fuck would I know Queen Latifah's <laughs> voice from anybody else's voice? It's so distinctive. I had no idea it was Queen Latifah. That was fucking Queen Latifah. I believe you. And you didn't even know that that was Mark Anthony. No. You didn't even question where Mark Anthony was in this movie. No. You were I... like, oh, this Catholic lug, that's that extra over there. That's the girl, that's the girl, it's Carla from Scrubs. Yeah. Who doesn't say anything. No. Nah. You see her for a fucking split second but you don't know that mark anthony is like the star of this movie he's not the star it's maybe like fourth build but no i remember when we pulled up the movie it's on amazon prime by the way don't watch it though and and one of the top build names was queen lativa i was like oh queen lativa and then i just totally forgot that she was in this movie well well anyway she's the voice of the dispatcher who has a flirtatious yeah. relationship with ving rames so She's an Oscar nom. At this point? Yes. Okay. And Patricia Arquette has won an Oscar. And Nicolas Cage has won an Oscar. Oh, wow. And Martin Scorsese has won an Oscar. Right. A lot of Oscar winners in this movie. Doesn't that, show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes that's not enough. So, anyhow, Vig Rabes is, is, is asking, like, you know, what are these voices in your head saying, Nick Cage? And Nick Cage... He's starting to do his real nouveau shamanic shit where he his face, <laughs> like his eyes get wide and he, he smiles oddly and he moves his arms in weird ways. And he's and this is probably like his first good scream where he's screaming about like what he hears in his head, which is They say kill Marcus, okay? And then they get another call. Who's Marcus? Marcus is Ving Rams. Oh. And so they get a call for another person on cardiac arrest. I think it's the drug, again, that, that's causing all the cardiac arrest. 
and Nick Cage has another good scream about why isn't it why why isn't it anything else? Why is it always cardiac arrest? And it's it's just <laughs> why is everything a cardiac arrest? What happened to chest pain, difficulty breathing, fractured hands? Yeah, come on, people. So that's a good one too. <laughs> like these people can help, right? Like, but go into cardiac arrest. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, come on. Anyhow, they come up on a, a woman who claims is a virgin but is actually pregnant and is uh, having immaculate conception <laughs> and and is having twins. And there's another good scream when because the father is saying it's not possible that that she could be having kids because we've never had sex. And Nick Cage screams, "Possible! It's possible! She's having a baby, okay?" <laughs> So that's another good screen. Uh, and then again, of course, back to the hospital, back to the ambulance, and they're driving in the ambulance. Wait, and sorry. Yeah, what's up? It's twins. But what he says is, I see three feet coming out, oh, and yeah. I immediately assumed that the baby was just deformed and had three <laughs> feet. I forgot that twins were a possibility. Yeah, twins are a very real possibility. You don't usually get surprised by a twin pregnancy. Also, that baby came out, those babies came out feet, feet first, first, and they didn't do a C-section. He just pulled them out. Well, they, they were already almost out. I don't, I don't know. I've never delivered a baby, have you? No. <laughs> if you've delivered a baby, write in. <laughs> write in. Yeah. <laughs> write us a letter. I want to know what it's like. P.O. Box. <laughs> P.O. Box. <laughs> so... <laughs> So they're in the ambulance and and Ving Rhames is pumped because he's like, hey, you know, well, and so I failed to mention, but one of the child, one of the babies lived, but one of the babies died. And so Ving Rhames is pumped. He's like, look, we saved one baby today. I know we didn't get them both, but we still saved a life today. And Nick Cage is bummed because a baby died on his watch. Yeah. So he's just surrounded by death. <laughs> so Ving Rhames pulls out some gin and they start drinking and driving in the ambulance and they're drinking. They're, they're having a great time. And Ving Rhames starts speeding up down the road to go to the next call. And the camera starts doing weird things too, right? Yeah, uh, that's later. But oh, the camera's is. always doing weird things. Yeah. Like it's doing slow mo. It's, like it's speeding bullshit. up. It's doing artsy shit. Yeah. And well, it wasn't nominated for cinematography. Well, so. there you go. <laughs> Ving Rhames hits another car. The the ambulance flips. Nick Cage pulls himself out of the the ambulance, and he just starts doing that creepy ass laugh. Very. <laughs> Never on Tuesday esque. <laughs> Very a lot like that, honestly. Yeah. Like Hannah's natural laugh. <laughs> oh no, is my natural laugh Nick Cage's creepy laugh? Uh, I think he's grown on us. <laughs> he's imprinting on us. So he he says like oh, I'm quitting, and he finds his way over to Patricia Arquette somehow, and they go into like this sort of like cracked in house area. And I guess this is the drug dealer who's been supplying people with the red death because it's like a drug that helps people sleep or something. I don't think that was the red death. No, that no, they never they really, really explained. No, I don't know. But, uh, so Nick Cage and, and Patricia Arquette go into this apartment where the drug dealers all like, everything's cool, man. Don't worry. Take these drugs and you'll sleep. You look like a guy who needs some sleep. And so Patricia Arquette's passed out in another room. Nick Cage takes it and he starts tripping hard. He's hard. <laughs> and this is where we find out too where he like what his kind of main motivation is, I guess, for seeing all of these ghosts, which is that he kind of failed to save a young woman who died on the streets one day. Her name is Rose. Her name is Rose. And he sees her face in like every person he passes by. 
So he's probably probably obsessed with her. Yeah, and so as we're seeing all of this, he starts crying, which only Nick Cage can do in a way that only Nick Cage can do. All <laughs> 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 uh, vampires. Kiss. Was that vampires kids? Yeah. Oh my god. That was a really good impression, by the way. Oh, thanks. Then. You should have seen it in person. <laughs> <laughs> then Nick Cage does probably the biggest and best scream of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's Bring it on. Home Alone. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> Home Alone style. Both hands on the side of his head. <laughs> and he just screams. Ah! <laughs> Frank, be cool, my brother. Look, you haven't really called a paradoxical reaction, right? But listen to me, Frank. Frank, where are you going? You're making a mistake. Yeah, you go. Okay. Okay, that's good. You go in there. Yeah, you go in there, lie down. Get some sleep, whatever. And as, as he's screaming, he's like punching the walls and he's walking around. His arms are waving everywhere. What's happening? And you probably heard, I probably inserted the clip back there, but... There's like people being like, oh, Frank, which is his character's name. You okay, man? What's going on? Everything's fine, bro. Anyhow, he goes over to Patricia Arquette's apartment and just falls asleep there. And he's like, oh, it's the best sleep I had in days. <laughs> so the next day or his next shift, the third and final day, we're almost. Believe that this movie's not over yet. I know. We're, we're almost done. He's paired up with not John Goodman or Ving Rames, but some other random guy. And this guy's like a douche. This guy loves to beat up like the delinquents. He, he loves to fight. You know, he's, he's a, he's a D-bag. So <laughs> before we realize that he's paired with the with this douche, though, he goes back to the hospital. There's a million scenes where he goes back to the hospital and checks on Patricia Arquette's dad. But this one is great because he Patricia Arquette's dad is coding again. He's about to go and they have to use a defibrillator and bring him back. It's, they have to do this like 17 times. But so this time Nick Cage has to do it and he goes clear and then he, he's about to do clear again. And instead of saying clear, he goes <laughs> beautiful, just wonderful. So there's that. I had to, I had to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. So he's in the back of the, the ambulance with the guy and he has another good scream about like, you know, hey, I need some band-aids. This is an... <laughs> And then it's Tom, where are the band-aids? This is an ambulance, isn't it? Whatever. I yeah, I don't You don't you don't remember that? that one? I do. Yeah. And I remember being like, Why are you yelling that? Right. Dude, why right. are you yelling? Yeah. <laughs> they get a call so this is an interesting call because there's a guy, like a homeless guy who tried to kill himself in a tunnel where there are just horses walking around. Yo. You know those famous horse tunnels of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Then he starts, like, making fun of how this guy tried to kill himself. <laughs> and he has another tirade, another scream here where he says, I see. With all the poor people of this city who wanted only to live and were viciously murdered, you have the nerve to sit here wanting to die and not go through with it? You make me sick! Take it! Take it! he's talking about take the knife yeah yeah he's like you here's a knife take it and really kill yourself yeah. this time you it's idiot like really dark yeah i don't know 
Now Nick Cage is driving the ambulance. He's just wildly shifting gears, and he's got that goofy grin on his Didn't face. Didn't know that ambulances were stick shift. I don't know what he's actually doing because they never sh- <laughs> they never shifted gears throughout the entire movie until now. Hold on. <laughs> I, what are you gonna Google? Nineteen ninety New York City ambulances? Are they automatic or or manual? I don't think you're gonna find an answer. I'm sure they're automatic these days undetermined (laughs) great i'm glad we spent all that time looking for it (laughs) that was really useful i learned a lot (laughs) i of course cut it all out but and i just spent like five full minutes looking up stuff about ems and emts and manual transmission (laughs) ambulances the answer was i don't know (laughs) The experts go can go either way. Great. <laughs> so then let's just say this one was automatic. If you were an ambulance driver in 1999. <laughs> right in. In New York City. Yeah, call us. <laughs> right, call yeah. us. We'll put, we'll put you on mic next week. <laughs> Oi. All right. So we're almost, Oi. <laughs> we're almost through this movie. After he's wildly shifted gears, which led us on a, a long, informative distraction i learned a lot i didn't verbalize much of it to you great <laughs> but that's I don't really... so that i could keep the knowledge for myself in case we're ever in a <laughs> trivia <laughs> yeah. okay. in a trivia situation a trivia situation some sort of emergency christ your hair looks great by the way thank you hannah gave me a haircut with kitchen shears <laughs> <laughs> during quarantine God, we're losing track of things. <laughs> Can you tell I don't want to talk about this movie? Anymore? We're almost done. There's like one more scene. Maybe two. And all You've right. done a good job, though, of summarizing mm. the things. I have? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The rare compliment by Hannah Martin. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just told you your hair looks good. That's true. I know that was more that, a compliment yeah, a for yeah. myself. <laughs> hey, I did a great job. Like, okay, all right. So the next call they get is that drug dealer where Nick Cage had that epic scream. Apparently, jumped off his roof and got impaled on the balcony below him. They didn't really explain why. It's, well, because people are after the drugs, so it's oh. like a drug thing. Yeah. So drug things. Yeah, don't worry about it. So Nick Cage shows up as one of the EMTs, is able to kind of cut him free from the from the gate or from the fence that he's impaled on. They almost fall over the edge. It's very dramatic. But then they get back to the hospital and the guy's still got like the fence sticking out of him. And he's like, hey, Nick Cage, you saved my life. And Nick's like, yeah, I know. I'm feeling good. Because the whole movie, he's like, ah, every single one of my patients has died. died. So he's so like, now what does he do? <laughs> so now what does he do is he goes over to Patricia Arquette's dad and the doc's standing there. And they're just joking around, having a great time. Ah, ha, ha, this is so much fun. Oh, my God. And they, they start making jokes about like you know other random druggies and stuff and it's just everything's great oh uh, ha 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 All, all's good all's well that ends well then he gets back in the ambulance with the douchey guy and he has another series of screams where he goes let's fight someone let's let's punch something and he's punching the ceiling as he's doing that they run into that thirsty guy mark anthony <laughs> <laughs> and mark anthony is He's got a baseball bat and he's breaking car windows. And again, he's crazy. He doesn't know what he's doing. So the douche. He's so thirsty because he he has psychosis and thinks he's on a 
like on a desert a desert yeah 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 so nick so the douchey guy's like let's beat up this guy you want to fight someone let's beat up this guy but nick's like oh no we shouldn't because he's crazy and i'm also crazy (laughs) (laughs) so the idea is like all right well i'm gonna go distract him and then or you go distract him and then i'll I'll come sneak up behind him whatever whatever so as he's doing that nick cage takes the baseball bat from mark anthony and, and he starts windows. And he starts bashing windows and he screams yeah! <laughs> as he does it i don't understand anyway so the asshole the asshole hunts down the thirsty guy as he runs away and starts beating up the thirsty guy apparently yeah. those two actors mark anthony and the asshole dude hated yeah. each other well it's convincing so, then yeah yeah so then nick cage finds them and he just yells at the the guy he says then he finally this is the last scene where he you know takes this thirsty guy to the hospital and he's like ah patricia arquette's daddy's doing better he's up in the yeah this is what i thought came next yeah, Sorry. yeah. no there's just that little side bit so yeah you know patricia arquette's he's dad's, in the icu now yeah he's in the icu now he's doing better and uh nick cage goes up and because he's hearing voices he hears the voice of her dad who's like kill me and nick cage does he does he basically pulls the plug i don't understand because he's spent this entire movie trying yeah. to save people right and now he wants to kill and he kills him and this is where like the, the nurse that's on the ICU level is Carla from Scrubs. So she always plays a nurse, apparently. He goes, she, you see yeah. her for like a split second. Oh, yeah. And, I'm and like, Carla. like, oh, it's Carla from Scrubs. But he sees Mark Anthony the entire nope. movie. Way over my Hears head. Queen Latifah's voice multiple times. Nope. Anyway, after Nick Cage mercy kills <laughs> Patricia Arquette's dad, he goes over to her apartment and says, hey, your dad died, but... Um, that thirsty guy, Mark Anthony, he's going to be fine because I know he's your buddy. <laughs> then they fall asleep in each other's arms at her place and, and credits. Yep. What a what a shitty, shitty movie. Well, there was no plot. That's the problem. Right. There was no resolution. There really. was no plot to have a resolution. Right. But like, if you're going to have a character who is going through a lot and you can see the craziness and, and the mental and the psychosis in his face... That there he he was resolved. He saved two people, I guess. one baby, sort and, of. and killed the guy. a guy. <laughs> yeah, and he like on purpose. Yeah, he like he like saved two people or something, and then murdered someone. But only because the voices were telling him to. <laughs> Stupid. So I, I I wrote a few closing thoughts. My first one is boring, boring ass movie. I feel nothing for any of the characters. No. There's, we said it a few times. There's no on-screen chemistry between two literal spouses. Uh, odd song choices, as we mentioned, the Jane's Addiction and the whatever other one that ten thousand. Natalie Merchant's band. Natalie Merchant, and uh, you know there were some weird directing choices by Marty Scorsese. Some good, Uncle some, Marty. some not good. So my my Uncle Marty. Uncle Marty. And that's that. Any other closing thoughts, Anne? Do not waste your time. Don't. Don't watch this movie. It's bad. Bad movie. I know that the, you know, ratings are decent. 
but you're hearing it straight from the horse's mouth. The horse under the tunnel or under the bridge <laughs> there's, in, in there's New York wild City. New York horses. <laughs> That's why people straight go to from New- their mouths. Yeah. That's why people go to New York to see the, the horses. The wild in horses habitat. run. Yeah. yeah. It's like Assateague Island and then New York and then Manhattan Island. Yes. That's yeah. where you go to see wild horses. Absolutely. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, don't watch this fucking movie is really what I'm <laughs> ultimately getting to. Good. All right. Let's do some Nick Cage awards and move on with this episode. And our lives. And our lives. Uh, best supporting actor. There was a dog very briefly. Patricia Arquette has a dog. There was also a horse. There was also horses. <laughs> Who's Mark the, Anthony, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for I, for real. Transformed. I didn't even recognize it. <laughs> for real. For real. All right. Great. Best dressed. What was Nick Cage's? Be- he was mostly wearing his uniform. Yeah, he had blood all over him once. How about when he had the? Mm. At, so at the end. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We didn't really talk about the way that he killed the father. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't so, just pull the plug. No. <laughs> so I guess in order to not like arise any i don't know suspicion like suspicion yeah he what are those called the little pads that you have on on you for like an ekg yeah he puts them on his own chest and then removes the wires from the dying man's chest patricia arquette's patricia dad. arquette's dad um and puts them on his own chest so that the monitor would still go on while the dude died and Mm. then he took like the breathing tube out of the guy's mouth and then breathed very heavily into it for like a full minute we had to watch him breathe yeah so i think the uniform with like the breathing tube in his mouth (laughs) okay yeah it it really made his face look funny like and like i said he could have just pulled a plug or something but i guess he knew that the nurses would come rushing in he knew that carla from scrubs was right there (laughs) right all right so that's his best dress moment sure worst nick cage scene there's a lot of bad scenes in this movie there was one that i turned to you and i said this was the worst scene do you remember what that one was no was it when (laughs) there were a few moments where it was just like that like why are we watching this for so long there was a moment in the back of the ambulance with nick cage and patricia arquette and they're just (laughs) that one they're just sitting there we just watch them for like a full minute not not even looking at each other no no chemistry okay that's the worst scene. scene What was the best Nick Cage scene? Was it his hallucination, his his big scream? His tirade. Yeah, or maybe something towards the end. I don't know. How about in the ambulance? He's in the ambulance like 30 times in this movie. <laughs> no, I meant like when he was screaming in the ambulance. <laughs> when he was yelling at the guy, like making fun of the guy for not killing himself better? Yeah, that scene. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Uh, best Nick Cage scream. It's probably it's, that. Yeah. The hallucination. The, mm-hmm. And then the most nouveau shamanic moment. There were a lot. I mean, there the shifting were. gears, the punching. The pizza hold. The pizza. Oh, my God. Should we just weird. give it to the pizza hold? That was that <laughs> whole scene because not only that, but then, I mean, it wasn't his choice, but the directing and, <laughs> yeah, the pizza. It's got to be that. He just, like, cradled it with two hands. Yeah. Like he was holding something fragile. Right. He didn't put it on a plate. <laughs> didn't, like, get a napkin or something. Would and you then, take a piece of pizza from a stranger? And didn't he have blood all over him too, or was that know. a different? No, time? I think that was a different. Time, oh, actually, but. fun fact from the movie: Nick Cage had to uh, average ten shirts a day of filming because of all the blood, sweat, and mud that got all over him. So he changed like ten times a day. Poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's that. So that's gonna do that for the 
Nick Cage oh, God, Awards. We have to rank this thing now. Now we got to rank it. Where are we putting it? It's towards the bottom it's for low. sure. It's low. Yeah. All right. So City of Angels. Compare it to City of Angels. Better or worse? <sighs> worse. Okay. Next one down is Amos and Andrew. Better. Okay. So that bumps City of Angels out of our bottom five and puts this movie into our bottom five. Do you agree? I I completely agree. Yeah, this was not interesting. <laughs> I hated this movie. Ugh, I liked oh Peggy Sue better than this. Wow. <laughs> and that said something. Hannah hated Peggy Sue. I hate Peggy Sue. All right, so that's where we're ranking it. It is in the bottom five. Next week, we are going to be watching the one and only Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, yeah. So that actually next week was scheduled to be our first week with a third mic and a, a guest on our podcast. But because of mm, quarantine rules, COVID. we're not going to be able to do that. So hopefully we can get him in for another time. Uh, but I'm looking forward to Gone 60 Seconds. This is we another can, quintessential change. call him and have the audio, like save the audio file. We can figure it out. Maybe. We'll see. Just for a brief part. I don't want to deal with that for the entire podcast. <laughs> Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> it's Sean, right? No, it's Matt. Oh. <laughs> no, Sean wants to be on for Ghost Rider. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because I let have us Also, DVD. let us know like yeah. what you want to be on for. Also, Steve and I have been talking about what we want to do for National Treasure. So it's if we time it out properly, it's mm-hmm. going to be like 4th of July weekend that huge. we're able to release, which is a huge deal. Of course, it will have to depend on the state of the apocalypse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but we have a few ideas, but we'd be curious, like, what you guys would want for that one. We want to do, like, a special kind of podcast. We can either take it on the road if possible. We can, I don't know, the op- opportunities are endless. <laughs> they but really are. Y- you guys, you know, let us know. Maybe comment on our, uh... You can write into our P.O. box. <laughs> yeah, you can write into our P.O. box. We do have an Instagram. It's yep. at I know why the Nick Cage bird sings. You can message us on there. Sure. Comment on one of our posts. Yeah. yeah. I'd be curious what, you know, what our, what our listeners would want to hear for that. Absolutely. Okay. All right. That does it. I think so. And now you know why the Nick Cage bird sings. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Nicholas, Nicholas.